Michael Myers is a human being who killed his sister when he was six years old. And he came after you. We just want to know why. We want a glimpse inside his mind. Michael Myers murdered five people. And he's a human being we need to understand. They're transferring him. Tomorrow, seven o'clock. Yeah, he'll be locked away until the end of his days. That's the idea. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that it's 825? Precisely. Yeah. I'm late for school. You know, I have one simple request. And that is to have sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. You are asking me to be rational. That is something I know I cannot do. Well, whatever it is, it's gotta get by us. Right. Go get her, Ray. Guys, I before we started this, when I was walking to get everything set up, I was thinking, I don't know why I was thinking, but like yeah, don't do about that. This. You you don't. I, I don't know why I was thinking about this specifically, but I I thought like there's got to be something here, and I and I don't know what it is, but I was hoping you guys could help me. And it was like, oh no, my cat's running. Like I gotta go put beers in it, and it was it had something to do with like, you, you, your refrigerator's running, better go catch it. And if your cat's running, you gotta go put beers. In. I don't think there's anything in there. But are you on drugs? Just, what, are you, what, are you, what are you talking about, I, Corey? I when you said that, I, don't know. I it's was. Got nothing, it's got nothing to do with the movie. I just didn't know where else to put it in the podcast. But when, I needed to get this thought out there because it's been bothering me. And I just and I know there's something there. There's gotta be. There's gotta be something there. And I just it, maybe it's not a cat, but it, there's gotta be something there. So I don't. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You guys, when you you guys said, know what I'm talking about? Uh, uh, when you said I was thinking, I thought you were about to say, you guys remember thinking, right? I've been having <laughs> no. thoughts lately. You remember thoughts, right? Yes, Dennis. Do you, do you, I have them uh, all the no, time. No, Corey, I do not know what the hell you are talking about. I really don't. <laughs> I, you know, I when feel people like say, I, like, hey, it's like a prank call. Hey, is your refrigerator running? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm aware of the gag. Better yeah. go catch it. And it's like, hey, is your cat running? I feel yeah, haha! Like, ha, better go put beers in it. I don't know. I feel like that'd be really funny. That'd be a funny <laughs> prank call because the person would just—it's. I'll tell you what, it's a bad joke, but it's sitting well. <laughs> maybe I'll maybe I'll try to like expertly fit it into our conversation today. Michael, it's, you're, this, like, it's yeah, in, you're. This is our. It's into the conversation. This, this is, is the conversation. This is the conversation. Oh god! You you already well, fit it in. You jammed I, it guys, in. There. It really didn't go in easily, but you got it. In. This is like a hot start to this episode, and I love it. Unf- Zach, do you unfortunately, like the that's a nice hoodie that you got there. Cole Cole's wearing a I am Kenuff hoodie. I thought it'd be uh, fitting. Of course, a reference to uh, Barbie. Yeah, the movie John Carpenter apparently just it kind of went over his head. That's what he said. Actually, when did, that, uh, when did he say that? That hoodie is a reference to the Barbenheimer episode of Get a Load of This Movie, a franchise movie podcast. Uh, well, guys, unfortunately, everyone is listening to another episode of Get a Load of This Movie, a franchise movie podcast. Suckers. Um, Damn uh, it! Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you could probably just turn us off now if you really if you haven't already. I mean, we get the listen um, from you clicking on it, so it's like, you know. Yeah, so we got everything we wanted out of you. You know, we're, we can kick you to the curb <laughs> now. Uh, Zach, what movie are we talking about today? Because I have in my notes that we are talking about Draft Day, and I feel like that's wrong because we already talked about Draft Day. Um, we are talking about Halloween. Not to be confused with Halloween, 
or Halloween. So, you know, make of that what you will. But not to be uh, confused is, with Halloween 2, because this is Halloween 2. Right, and, and you wouldn't want to get it confused with Halloween 2 or Halloween 2. Um, so I'm glad that this series has done really well with naming each so, movie. The fact that we have three movies called Halloween, and then but even though this is a Halloween two, and we already have two other Halloween twos that are just called Halloween two, it's a it's a mess, and I'm going to address the mess a bit as we go on. It frustrates cool. me. I don't know if you guys can tell. Well, it's going to make the game, the call sheet, very fun when we do that, and the conversation very fun. But let's just get into the green light. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. So, the green light. (laughs) I'm sorry, that was very awkward. So, after the box office success of the 1978 film, was released in 1978, Corey, uh, nine other films were produced under the Halloween name, four of which starred Jamie Lee Curtis, which he appeared in as Laurie. There were two reboot films directed by Rob Zombie, released in 2007 and 2009, respectively, but both didn't receive the critical or box office success and kind of took the franchise in a different direction with the character of that's Michael. one way to put it yeah exactly yeah. come on come on let's let's try and be nice somebody worked very hard I'm on those be, movies i'm gonna be actually pretty nice to a lot of these sequels maybe not the one we're talking about specifically today though okay i remember one time zach said the dialogue was the saving grace of this movie of this movie yeah Cole, you pull up these quotes that I have no memory of because that's one of my negatives. We were about to see kills, and I said, dude, the dialogue in this movie is so bad. And you said, Cole, it's probably the saving grace of this movie. And then I made fun of the dance. I have a feeling you misread my tone. I have a feeling you misread my tone, as you are apt to do every once in a while. No, I'm I'm, I'm using the quote here. But anyway, uh, and then in 19... Or in 2011, uh, it was decided that the film and franchise would be rebooted. And from 2011 to 2016, writers were recorded to make the film, including one of Zack's favorite horror TV directors, Mike Flanagan. He was Mm. approached to make the film back in 2016, but he said no. Um... And then in 2016, Hill and Carpenter signed on to join the film as executive producers. And in 2017, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, also known as the guys who brought you your highness, um, signed on to write the film. They decided to forego past films, make it a direct sequel to... Did you say, did you say Hill signed on? Deborah Hill's been dead since 2005. Wow. Somebody Mm. signed off. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe check to make sure your people in your green light are in fact breathing (laughs) at the time that they they joined the the production team. Yeah. Maybe she joined in 2004. They had not even done the Rob Zombie reboots at that point, but (laughs) it's... (laughs) Continue with the green light. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was a mistake. And 
you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. I should just go have me a peanut butter and jelly bon me and be sad about life. What are you talking about? It's a line in this movie. Anyway, (laughs) David Gordon Green and Danny McBride would write the film. Uh, They decided to forego past movies, making it a direct sequel to 1978's film. But in an early draft of the movie... Is that a ghost? (laughs) (laughs) But in an early draft of the movie... Jamie Lloyd was actually written to appear in the film before they decided oh. to forego the direct sequels, of course. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, if she appeared in this, that would have been her first on-screen appearance with Lori? Because she was what? Yes, uh, because she Lori is killed off-screen prior to Halloween 4 in a car automobile accident. Uh which, you know, it's just because, you know, Lord Jamie Lee Curtis was not coming back for Halloween 4 <laughs> uh, in 1988. Okay, makes so sense. So Jamie Lloyd was her daughter. That's who that character was in Halloween 4, 5, and 6, is the daughter of Laurie Strode. Oh. Zach actually got the chance to meet Danielle Harris. Um, Wait, quick question. Yes. Yes. So does that mean this daughter is like a retcon basically com- like completely they yeah. didn't even keep the yeah. same storyline of it like yeah. not, not no, saying no. storyline because i know it's i know it's not a, dr- a sequel to the other ones at all i i know it's like just a sequel to the first one it's a retcon we're of doing. literally all of it of literally okay. everything except one okay two in fact two different children have been retconned out of it uh there was the jamie lloyd oh. character from four five and six and then there's josh hartnett's character uh john from uh, Halloween H two O, Josh Hartnett famously featured in our Barbenheimer episode of Get a Load of This Movie. That's yeah, true. Connective he was, tissue. He, yeah, he was a great guest. Yeah, he was great. Josh Hartnett's back, everybody. Anyway, the film was released on October nineteenth, twenty eighteen, to mass audiences and grossed two hundred and fifty nine point nine million against a ten million good. dollar budget. So, um. Would you guys say? I believe it, it is the highest grossing. That is the highest grossing slasher movie of all time. I believe. I think it still is. Wow. I don't think Scream. I don't think either Scream Five or Six topped that. You mean Scream and hungry. then Scream Six? Right, and we'll they'll address that as well. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the film, while not being as critically successful as the original film, did receive a fair amount of critical praise, having a ninety-seven. Or 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm sorry. My dyslexia kicked in. And holds a 3.2 average on Letterbox. What, what's, uh, what's the first one have? Uh, the, fir- the original Halloween. What does the original Halloween have on what? Letterbox or Rotten Tomatoes? Letterbox. I don't care about Rotten Tomatoes. We are a Rotten Tomatoes hater podcast. Mm, we should just change our name to that. Uh, we the original hate Halloween. Rotten Tomatoes. We Mitchell Halloween on Letterbox has a 3.8, which again, a little low for my and taste. This, and, and this one had a 3.5. Is that what you said? Three Cole? point. I think he said 3.2. 3.2. Yeah. So, you know, 0.3 off, not bad. Wait, what did you uh, say? My earbuds were it's off. Point five. It's point 0.5. Five. Point five. I like that you just took a shot in the dark, though, and hope that you were right, though. <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> Is that is that right, Zach? Three point eight, Mike. Cool, cool. Check that. Check that. Um, 
No, but I wanted to save talking about the new cast additions for when we talk about the film, so I thought it was time we get into the call sheet. It's time for the call sheet. I have a fan favorite game and a, a podcast favorite game. Um, we are doing a, a draft and we are doing a snake draft. Mm. And since Mm-mm-mm. Zach won last week, he gets to pick whether or not he goes first or second this time. But Zach didn't beat for me the draft last week. <laughs> Yes, in the draft. Do you want to go first or second? It's a snake draft, and there are a few other caveats, but nothing to do with the draft. It has to do with the game. But I will explain that after you pick if you're going first or second. Uh, I'll go first. You'll go first. Okay, so Zach gets first pick, Cole gets two, three, and then Zach gets four, and so on and so on. Um, I am sending the list. So there are eight uh, actors that we are going to be drafting, and we are drafting their best letterboxed movie okay it has to have at least um uh, it has to have at least a thousand reviews on letterbox i moved it up because there were some on the cusp of 500 and i think last time i did like 500 but they again they were ones i i I didn't really know of and it was like right on the cusp so i just moved it up to a thousand um because each one of them had at least one movie that had like a thousand two thousand or something like that so uh that's what it's based based off of and there are no movie repeats. Okay. Mm. Good. So I went I went in order of screen time or what the order of uh, letterbox, which I believe it had it on screen time. Um, so Jamie Lee Curtis, of course, is at the top, and we just moved down there. So if someone has for set, like for example, this movie as their number one, and someone else has the same thing, I moved down to the next movie on that list. So there wow. are no movie repeats. Did you, you send did the list? Sense. No, I haven't sent it yet. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sending okay. it now. Uh, Zach, you are picking first. We're Do we going. still get to and we get we get we guess the movie? Too, you guess the movie for point? an extra point. Yes, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that, but that is still in effect. If you guess the movie, you get an extra point. Um, I believe we did. If you don't guess the movie correctly, and the other person guesses it correctly, they get the points. Mm, they get both the they get both points or just the point for naming the movie. The extra point for naming the movie. Okay, yeah, that's that that seems more fair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, will... Zach, you are going first. Who mm-hmm. is and you want the highest one? You want the highest, highest uh, uh, number at the end, and we're just yeah. doing the sum. Zach, I'm go gonna, ahead. I'm gonna go Jamie Lee Curtis. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Zach, that is an excellent answer because it is correct. So that it, it was a 4.33 as a weighted average on Letterbox, and you guessed the movie correct, so you have 5.33 points. Mm. Cole, go ahead. You are picking two. I'm going to just go Judy Greer. I can't really think of a, a highest-rated movie for her, though. Let's say Ant-Man and the Wasp. That is in correct zach would you like you get a chance to steal oh boy i don't know judy greer in many movies uh i guess i'll go jurassic world incorrect her highest movie was adaptation 
And I believe yeah. that came out in 2020. I think that Is was. That right I didn't then? write that. Is that right, Cole? I can't. Re- I, I, I wrote down <laughs> the year for everything else, but I didn't write the movie to, or the year for that one. Adaptation. Um, and that is, yeah, adaptation. So, and that is a 4.1 on Letterboxd. So it, good, it came good, out get, in uh, 2002. Oh, that's what I was thinking. What is up with our I, data I, today? <laughs> I got I got the numbers mixed up. The the two and the zero mixed Look, up. Anyway, Cole, go again. It's your um, pick. Let me see. Let me look at the list. Yep. Don't, I'm gonna don't go look up uh, Will movies. Patton. Will Patton. Cole, would you like to take a crack at uh no. what movie he was in? No. Oh, okay, Zach, chance to steal here. Or steal another um, point. For Will Patton. Uh I genuinely have no fucking clue. Well, that is incorrect as well. It was After Hours, 1985. I didn't think either of you would get that, but that's okay. No. Back to you, Zach. How many, yeah, what was be... the score for that? Oh, sorry. It was it was After Hours, 1985, and it was a 4.1. So Cole has two 4.1s. Hmm. So yeah, these are going to be hard because I don't even know that's who some of these 8. people are. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Nick Castle for sure on my next one and say the original Halloween. Nick Castle. And you are going with the original Halloween. And that, Zach, you know what? That is correct. So that was a 3.83 weighted average on Letterboxd. And we are going to ra- give that another point because you got the movie correct. And so that was a 4.83 now. Hmm. Uh, Zach, you get the next pick. Oh, yeah, we're doing a snake. Oh, man. This is just hard for some of these other guys to guess the movie. I almost feel like we should institute a rule that... As long as you, you can no, look up what movies no they've rules. been in, you just can't look up Letterbox. No you rules. just can't look up, like, obviously on Letterbox, but yeah. I, I mean, I literally will have no guess for the rest of these. Um, I guess next we'll go... Some of these some of these are pretty big. I mean, of course... Say, I, I, sorry, continue. Andy Matichak and in, say, Halloween 2018. Zach is going Andy Matichak and 2018 judges checking the board really quick that is correct 2018 halloween andy Matichek, and that is a 3.2 and we're going to give you an extra point so that's 4.2 congratulations cole back to you i'm going to go virginia gardner don't know <laughs> virginia gardner don't know is that a chance to steal no chance no chance no that is also incorrect. Neither of you guys got that one correct. It was All the Bright Places 2020. And that of is a 2. <laughs> 2.83 on Letterboxd. Jeez. Cole, Rough Cole back to you. Uh, Toby Huss, no idea. Oh, that's Toby probably going to be pretty good. Zach, chance to steal? Can oh, I, I don't how know. About, I'm going to give you a hint, Cole, and I'm going to let you guess again because... Um, well, I'll let both of you guess again. But I'm Look at his eyes. Because this- Audience, if you could see Zach's eyes, there is evil behind them that's right fine. now. That's fine. Oh, that's this, fine. I'm going to give you a chance to guess if Cole can't guess it. I'm going to give you a hint, though. Leo is in this movie. This is a Toby Huss picture. Yes. Um, that Leo is also in. Leo is actually hmm. the character on the poster. Oh, good. <laughs> The Revenant. That is incorrect. Zach, would you like a chance to guess the movie? Leo's in the movie, but Leo's in the movie. I'm going to go ahead and just take a stab in the dark and and say The Aviator. 
Um, both of you guys were incorrect. Great guesses, great guesses. It was actually The Basketball Diaries, 1995, mm. and that is a 3.67 on Letterboxd. That's uh, not bad. And there we go. I believe Zach has the last pick. And it's, Zach, who, uh, who are you going to take? I mean, if the last pick, so what? It's down to it's Drew, whatever. Oh, this is, is the, oh, this is the final pick. Okay, yeah, then Drew, Drew Scheid, I guess. Drew Scheid. Zach. Who was he in Halloween 2018? Uh, he was he Anton. That, he was Anton Zach. He was he, Anton. Yeah, he was. He was the friend that tried to force himself onto Allison oh. in that person's backyard. <laughs> uh, Classic scene, of course. Um, uh, you gonna take no a guess on clue. his movie? Okay, no. I also have a hint for this. Cole, go guess the movie. Um, said Drew. Uh, Halloween, at? You know Halloween the name ends. Halloween ends. Okay, neither of you got it correct. Uh, he oh. dies in this one, uh, so <laughs> he cannot be in Halloween ends. But that's a great guess. Um, here's the hint. Mm. He is in one movie of a Netflix trilogy that I know both of you have seen and we have talked about. Fear Zach. Street. Zach, guess the, guess the I'm gonna say I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Fear I'm gonna say he is in the the 1666 Fear Street. Okay, 1666 Fear Street Cole. I'm gonna go 94. 94. Okay. Uh, neither of you were correct. Damn it. It's 1678. It was 78. One. That uh, was my favorite of the three. Yeah, I should have picked that yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a good one. It had a 3.35 weighted letterbox score. It actually rounded up to 3.4. So, Zach, you would have gotten another point for that or another half a point or half a half a point if you would have if I would have rounded up but I did I drew out the decibels it was significant figures were out of this world uh so congratulations Zach you mm -hmm. won with a 17.71 um and then Cole you came in second place of the two of you with a 14.71 and actually Cole I just want to point this out really quick if Zach wouldn't have gotten any of the movies uh he would have won by 0.01 points so might be it might be a, a worthy task of going with someone if you know the movies that they're in because that's how he got he he pulled ahead with that one and that's why i was gonna give you guys the chance with that last winning i i think th i think because i knew uh, there wasn't a chance for cole to come back and i knew zach would have thrown a little fit if uh i would have right. given Sure would have. Call it um, enough points. <laughs> I would have balled my fist and kicked my feet. Would have thrown a little tantrum on air. Just like you did uh, last week when I beat you in trivia. And then last, you said, "Wait a minute." You said, "No, that didn't Cole, happen." You said, "Cole, I want to win. Can you give me the win, please?" <laughs> Our audience like, didn't okay. hear that. He cut that part of the episode. Okay. <laughs> no, unlike unlike some hosts, we, uh, Zach doesn't cut stuff he doesn't like out of the episode all the time. Anyway, Ooh, I love that. I love that thank, little shade. Thank you guys for playing. <laughs> thank you guys for drafting. Zach, congratulations on an actual win this week. Action. Even the opening scene, there's always some random girl who gets a call that undoubtedly ends up getting her killed. It's all so predictable. There's no element of surprise. You can see everything coming. Ah! Did that surprise you? <laughs> no, 
shut the fuck up and watch the movie. On an actual win. <laughs> It's like, yeah, a, you it's didn't like actually a Mickey, win last. like a Mickey Mouse ring, like the Dodgers in 2020. <laughs> hey, all right, still um, one. Okay, can I can I start off with something here? Say your thing. Like get some. I, I'll, I'll try to get more of my negatives out early and talk about some positives as we as we go that I have because it's not like I think this is like a bad movie. I'm not not saying that. Um. For this movie, though, which, you know, just calling it Halloween, uh, same title as the original, and then you you erase Halloween 2 through, you know, Rob Zombie, you're not acknowledging any of it, you know, not that you could acknowledge all of it, because it's already kind of fractured, but for you to just, they stand on such ceremony, and they, they act like, leading up to this movie and the marketing of it, you know, with bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis again and retconning these sequels, they, it's like, oh, we're finally going to make a worthy follow-up and we got John Carpenter back. I just don't think this movie justified all of that in terms of its final quality. I, it just really didn't to me. It, you, you disparage these sequels and then you do dumber, th- like the same thing in this movie or even dumber things. Like the, hollow, the, like the doctor bit's the most egregious thing and we'll talk more about that later. But like it, these... Things are things that have been done in the sequels already that already happened, and, and then you retcon all of it to just do it again. It's I, I just the only difference is now Lori is back to not being the sister, and that creates a whole other narrative problem because this movie has to strain to get her to that house uh, because Michael has no specific motivation for her. Get Michael uh, to the house so like, more than anything. Like right, that's what I'm saying. Like that for them, they needed to get Michael to Lori, which if. If Michael isn't already just gunning for Lori from the beginning, which is what this movie surmises, since he's not, uh, she's not his sister anymore, then you had to come up with a stupid doctor storyline, which just I think really weighs down the movie for me personally. And I don't know. This is, yeah, I, it's a. It was a. I was left unsatisfied uh, when this movie, when the credits rolled in the theaters in 2018. I was, I was not. I, I thought it was good, and I still overall think it's good. I was just definitely, it left a sour taste in my mouth. Very anticlimactic. And, and honestly, and without spoiling it, you've done this before with Halloween H2O, which is 20 years later, and this one's 40 years later, so this, if anything, this could have been like H4O, uh, where you, you didn't completely retcon the sequels, but you just kind of told your own story, bringing back Lori and saying that she faked her death. And you, you just kind of, go off your own story and you brought back Jamie Lee Curtis and it was a big return and all that. And, and she has to deal with the trauma of what happened to her all those years ago in that movie too. So you're quite literally just repeating a movie. You're repeating a gag that you already did. And I think to lesser returns than you did in 1998, which no spoilers has a far more satisfying conclusion uh, than this movie does. I, I had a question. I don't understand I feel like this movie almost needed to be connected to those other sequels, even though I didn't see them, because it doesn't make sense that Laurie is so uh, affected. Well, I get, I understand, like, it is a very traumatizing thing. It would be a pretty bad night, yeah. I know, but, like, it's affecting her so much, like, as you said, 40 years later, that she's dedicated her life to making sure that she's guarded against this guy that she's only seen once. I didn't understand that. I felt like it was a little bit overkill. 
Oh, gosh. Um, I said it doesn't make sense that Jamie Lee Curtis' character, Lori, is just so affected by this one night that by a guy she saw only once that she's dedicated her life to making sure that it never happens again. And she's alienated her entire family, um, uh, like moved away, like completely pushed away her kids. And so it just didn't make any sense to me. And it felt like it needed to be attached to those other movies. To make it like, other to to to, ju- to justify her yes. having this kind of a, a effect, but I did like that she. It seemed like she learned just everything she possibly could have from one night with this guy. I, I I did like that that she learned everything possible, and she became yeah. a survivalist. My yeah, my- and again, she has the H two O movie from nineteen ninety eight. It acknowledges Halloween 2, which she is also the star of, and takes place on the same night as the original Halloween. I don't know if you knew that, Corey, that Halloween 2 quite literally picks up the moment Halloween ends. Mm. Um, and not Halloween ends, but Halloween lot. ends? Right, not to be confused with Halloween ends, just when okay, Halloween ends. Okay, thank you. Ends. I, I, I just, yeah. for me, I, I know this. That. I know. It's... <laughs> Yeah, this movie should have just been called Halloween Returns. That would have been a better title. Um, Halloween Kills, this, maybe. I actually don't mind the Halloween Kills title. A lot of people made fun of it, but that's... I think the best thing about Halloween Kills is the title. I can't wait to talk about that next week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, I... So, yeah, she has a lot more trauma, even more so in Halloween 2, because way, a lot more people die in Halloween 2 than in the original Halloween. It, she, her, her night does not get better. I'll tell you that, Corey. Uh, in Halloween 2. It, it, in fact, it, it gets far worse by the end of it. Um, and I think H2O handles that trauma better than the way that we turn her into Sarah Connor here. Uh, in H2O, she's just like, and again, I, I, this is the last thing I'll say about it because that's not the movie we're talking about it, but it's just, it's, it's baked into the DNA of this conversation because it, you can't separate it because this movie was like, oh, we're getting rid of all of it. We're gonna, we're doing it again. This, I mean, if you've already done it, then you have to be do something to differentiate it and make it better than what's already come before to justify its existence. And this movie doesn't do that. It's just in that movie in H two O, she's you know she's got a new identity. So she like faked her death, has a new identity, lives in California, and she's you know an alcoholic more or less, and she's too protective of her child and not letting him live his own life. And what what is this movie? She's an alcoholic. She lives in the middle of nowhere. She, yeah, she didn't change her name or anything, but she, it's just, and then you have the familial trauma, you know, theme going on there with like, so it's just, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. And I don't think this movie does it better. I don't. And I don't think it does it well enough with, uh, I think you needed to give more time to Judy Greer uh, as the middle generation here. Because all the emotional beats with her in the finale do not land with me because I feel like you have not built them up well enough in that relationship mm. between her and Lori. So that just fell flat. I don't think Judy Greer is good in this movie. I think she's a little bit better in Kills, maybe, but like she just does not get enough to do. And Judy Greer is a good actor. So like that you, I, I'm not going to blame it on her. It's just I think she's an underbaked character. I... Yeah, I do know what you mean. Like that scene where she kind of like baits Michael... That should have like almost. It was good, but in a way, it should have felt earned. You know, we should have, we should have felt what she had gone through to kind of, you know, become this character. Who knows 
that she can do this, you know, this confident character that we see, we it doesn't feel as earned to me because we don't get enough of her. Almost. I think the scene that embodies a lot of the problem with that relationship is the dinner scene where Lori kind of Mother, interrupts the dinner. What, what is this? Oh, grandmother. Well, here's okay, a- first of all, I do want to say something. This is just a little pet peeve. They Allison say calling her grandmother. Yes. No one our age, because we were 18 when this movie came out. Do you call your mother grandmother's grandmother? No. No one who's 18 fucking says grandmother in this generation. What the fuck? Who wrote this uh, movie? It's, it's a bit odd. It's a bit odd character court. Well, it was Danny McBride and David Gordon Green I, and then some other. Film, I never but, heard them say grandmother in any I, of their other movies. Grandmother was not ahead, a Corey. I do want to say when I was watching this movie, Corey, my girlfriend came in and she was just like, did she just call her <laughs> grandmother? And just like caught yeah. that one line. And I was just like, yeah, isn't that odd? <laughs> and that's, that? that's your name on her this, phone, uh, too. Get a load of this dialogue. Yeah, is what you yeah, think. <laughs> that's what yeah. I should have said. You're right. Uh, yeah. Gabby, we always have to be ready for that at any opportunity. We gotta <laughs> I'm sorry. That was, uh, what yeah. I was saying is that scene, that scene is so rushed, though. She, she comes in. I feel like that has the DNA. It's a great setup to be a great scene. A dinner which the mom lied about uh, to her daughter. Like she said, she did not actually invite Lori. And, you know, Lori did not plan on making it because she planned on pretty much ruining her life by trying to kill a prisoner, Michael Myers, that night. Like, she was sitting outside with a gun. Like, she was just going to go in there and kill him. She's drinking and she screams in the car. That's all good. It, when she shows up, it's, it starts out fine. It just progresses so quickly, though, to, like, confrontation that it's I, – I just did, I, it didn't really ring true. You had an opportunity there for a really – you could have fleshed out that relationship more in that scene. Cause if you just built up the awkwardness slowly as it goes, it just, I don't know. You needed a bit more there. You guys know what I mean with that scene? And that just kind of embodies the problem with the relationship there. There is nothing fleshing out the moments between her and Judy Greer. Like I, I, I like both actresses. I like Jamie Lee Curtis. I like Judy Greer. There was nothing fleshing that out throughout this entire movie. Their interactions were brief and they had, there was just no feel to it, you know? I I didn't feel like there was any, like, emotion that I was supposed to get attached to in those scenes, you know? I'm trying to think, like, what could they have done to flesh that out a little bit more? Like, I, I, I agree giving, like, Judy Greer a bit more screen time, but I, I just, I feel like they were missing, I feel like they were missing almost an entire, no, like, an entire other movie to be able to flesh that mm-hmm. out and make it make it effective well, they, so like i don't know if there was anything they could have done in this one specifically because adding more time i don't think it needed any more time added to it if anything to make it better they should have just cut that stuff out but then if you cut that out it's like what are we it, it doesn't really make sense to cut it out either. what are we so doing here it, you know, it's no, like you yeah, needed need more you didn't you didn't need yeah. less of that you needed more of it and i and, I, and no. honestly I think when you say you needed another movie, in a way I agree with you because I think this should have just been a different type of movie than what they're going for here. They have too too many cooks in the kitchen, as they say. There's a little bit too much going on that you actually don't spend enough time with Lori. Even Lori, you don't spend enough time with her as her as the focal point of this movie, I think. I, th- I think if you had 
like they're so obsessed with having this high body count because you got to make it a big blockbuster movie, the like biggest... horror movie. And you just the original Halloween, you have five people killed. You know, so maybe you make it a more and this. If anything, it should be yeah, because he's now he's. If you're taking away all the sequels, so he's no longer, you know, not supernatural at all. He hasn't survived all the shit that he survives in the sequels. And if he's just a man, and I get you know he's not just a man, he's evil. But like, you you could have made it more toned down and had a more intimate. Kind of like what I was saying with Star Trek Beyond. You could have had a more character-driven, intimate movie and have it with these three generations of Strodes with Laurie, Karen, and Allison, and you could have had them held up at Laurie's house together with Michael stalking the house for a longer period of the movie than just the climax. And you could have still had the body count with uh, you know a couple of Allison's friends maybe and you know the, the dad... And you still would, those would have, you could have had more time to really sit with those deaths and have them mean more and feel like you feel more about them than, you know, the, the result that we got. That's the type I, of movie I think would have been better. I genuinely. So, but then I feel like, oh. I feel like they would run into the issue of almost recreating the first one because that was a lot what the first one was. And then it's like, it feels like they're not doing anything too new in terms of overall story maybe like the individual story would be different if it was more character driven because i think that does right. make for better movies when things are character driven and decisions aren't based well, off what we want many, to happen in the there end were too many characters like, you know yeah well, I, I don't I, even know if yeah I, I agree with that i don't i don't know if there were too many characters i think there were i, I, I mean there's the main uh, I guess so. I was going to say, I guess there are the main four, but then there's the doctor and then there's the, the podcasters. There's the sh- yeah, the, the sheriff. And then you have the podcasters that have nothing to do with the, the rest boyfriend. of the movie. But they're in it for like, they're, the they're in it for like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You have, you have I, the cowboy hat sheriff and then you have, you kind well, of just abandoned him the, and then you go to the other. I, I thought he the was the mayor. Cop. No, he was the sheriff. No, that's the sheriff. Oh. This, we're not even following oh. the sheriff. That's why they, I don't think this guy is really respected because they just call him like, oh, what's that burnout doing? Or what, one of those other two cops who are trying to be funny talking about lunches. Like that's like, I, I that don't think funny. he's. Here's yeah. the thing. That seems funny, but there's scenes like that, that scene and the scene with the kid talking about how he wants to dance with his dad. Like these scenes, I guess they're, they're funny in a vacuum. They just felt a bit can I, out of place to me. Yeah. And can I say something like we, in the first film, like you're introduced to all these characters. And like we talked about Loomis's dialogue doesn't feel real. But that's okay because the characters that we care about, which are these three babysitters, their dialogue feels real, you know, and it feels I, natural. I do. I fist pumped when the Loomis phone call came in or the Loomis tape recording. You know, it's but, not actually Donald Pleasance, obviously, because he's dead, but his dialogue was very Loomis to me. I liked it. But the best, I mean, the worst thing this movie does is. You know, in the first film, we get glimpses of Michael throughout, like, the movie. He's in for, like, shot, 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 like, boom, boom, boom. We spend too much fucking time with him. And we're spending too much time, one, with a character who has no personality, who does not talk, and whose only, like, point in the film is to kill people. We don't need to spend all this time with him. He is a mystic figure. He works best, like you said, in a vacuum, you know, in a small dose. And that works for me in the original movie. It doesn't fucking work for me here. 
I have a I yes do think no he's scarier. Oh, go ahead, Corey. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say I do. I do think he's scarier here, which I think because we spend more time with him, they're able to. And I, he, I think he is only because I think audience adjusted, and I think they adjusted to what their audience did without completely sacrificing who the character of Michael Myers is, because he's this very like stoic. I, I maybe stoic's the wrong word. Stoic kind of has like that that. Uh, knowledgeable and wise connotation with it but he's very like monotoned with he just i mean he's got a mask on i was gonna say straight faced but like <laughs> walking from house to house you see him and i thought that was scary i thought you see him Wooden. killing an actual kid Wooden's which he's a good way to say it he's very he's very yes he like absolutely he, moves, he is like very wooden that is a good way yes he's like a robot almost and so i i, I think showing more of that it it is effective at the very least I both agree and disagree with you both uh, because either I, I, good for you or I'm sorry that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not reading all that. Um, <laughs> so I, I do think, I think Corey brought it up the scene of him like walking around Haddonfield. I think that is the best scene in the movie. Oh, the one takes hands down. Well, it's not even exactly a one take cause they cut away for a second and they come back to him. But that just whole sequence of him when we're, we're tracking him and he goes into that one house, kills that one, kills that one woman, spares the baby. Uh, I, I feel like he kills like at least two people during that scene, doesn't he? Just going like house to house. Oh, yeah. He kills the first woman in the kitchen and then he with the hammer and then he takes the knife like that. All that stuff. That's really good. I think that that is probably the strongest scene in the movie. But then you have Isn't that right much... after he kills he kills uh, Allison's friends? Isn't that right after? No, no, no. This is before all that. Uh, this is this is kind of like when we first see him start his massacre on Halloween. Um, but the so that's one example of seeing Michael a lot and having it be effective. An example where we're seeing too much of him. And Cole, you you said that you know he's a mystical figure earlier. This completely demystifies him to me. This scene. When, A, the lead up to this part is also stupid because the cop, cop, I think it's Hawkins is the name of the guy. Hawkins. Uh, yeah, he's driving. <laughs> and you got a girl who's just been, a teenage girl who's just been attacked and her friend murdered. And she goes, that's him. And then the cop just points at a random guy in a dark night on Halloween just because he's dressed up in a costume. And the guy's like, all right, let's do it. And runs up and hits the pedestrian. It's like, whoa. I don't, I just don't, I know that he's mad. I, I don't know. Due process is gone at this point. But that, that part was a bit silly to me. But we have Michael unconscious on the ground. And you have this, you know, the stupid doctor twist. And... We have this lame-ass doctor dragging an unconscious Michael, sitting him on the back seat, wearing the Michael's mask for a moment. It's just that that is just stupid to me. Like in having putting Michael in that scenario, it's just like how do you keep him scary at that point? You know, and just in terms of this movie being scary in general, it has its tense moments, but I feel like they're more in the first half and the second half. You have like soldier Lori with shotgun. I just don't think people. It's not as scary when it your characters are holding shotguns. It turns it's, into a blockbuster less than a horror film. The scene with the mannequins in the room. In the room. That, that part's kind of tense. Yeah, that part's kind of tense. 
but the man okay the mannequins outside when allison's running and she falls and sees all these close-ups of mannequins that that part did not work completely flat for me not that good but yeah so the way michael is depicted in this movie i have mixed feelings about but overall he looks good i think i think the way that james jude courtney walks around as michael is good and i think the mask looks great and you know he's brutal sometimes a bit too brutal for me to really buy into this being a sequel to the original and not he smashed motherfuckers heads in right that's a bit too much for me i think that was a bit too much I think there are other scenes more effective, like when Corey brought up, he killed the kid. I think that scene's also one of the better ones in the movie, when he uh, kills the kid in the backseat. That scene's kind of tense. That's, that's examples of Michael being used effectively, I, I believe, in this movie. So this movie has, has it in spades, both negative and positive for me in that regard. What do you guys think of um, Allison's... Uh, just, let's just go with... We can talk about Allison, too. Just all the all the young folk in this movie. Because I actually like Allison. I like I definitely like Vicky and Dave, which is, you know, her friend and her friend's boyfriend. I don't love Cam in this movie. And I definitely don't really love Oscar. Uh, so it's kind of a mixed bag overall for me. Which, we just, we which just one's her lo- boyfriend? Cam. Cam. Cam, the guy from uh, yeah, You season uh, dude, the guy dude from drops you, a, season three. He drops her phone in a, a giant bowl of pudding at prom? A gi- After he cheated dance. on her. I know, but what the fuck is there a giant bowl of pudding at this Halloween dance? <laughs> like, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, that was just, that was odd to me. It sounds like someone, like, just wrote that on the page and they just didn't, like, like oh, we'll go, we'll figure out what it is later. And they just, no, we got... Like, no, oh, we I feel have, like we they, don't have punch. Nope, we got tapioca. I, <laughs> you know, like. I, I feel like that. I feel like someone just wrote a bowl of something at the dance, and then someone just brought in a bowl of pudding, and they were like pudding, and they're like, yeah, and like, and they're like, too. fine, just put, just put it in. I don't know. And that huge was the day that prop master got a promotion. So we, you know, all just to go. get, all just That's so sweet. Allison cannot answer phone calls. It's like we couldn't come up with a better way why she doesn't have her phone or can't answer phone calls uh <laughs> you can't just take it out and wipe it off like it's just pudding dude yeah man my iphone i you know completely fell in the toilet one time and it's fine so i mean <laughs> it's i get this 2018 I, I guess the the moisture uh defense mechanisms weren't weren't quite up to date yet you know for these smartphones oh yeah that's it yeah uh i but no i do like vicky and um Dave, the, her, you know, kind of stoner boyfriend. I think they're funny, and I like them, and I don't want them to die. And I think her scene, Vicky's scene with the kid she's babysitting, is also funny. Uh, a podcast I listen you're, to. That, you're you're not my you're not even like my tenth favorite kid of the yeah, kids I babysit. That's an example and of I good comedy in this. Some fucking losers. Yeah, that's like an example that. of good comedy <laughs> in this. And you establish that they do actually like each other because you know with the banter and the kids funny. It's just also but another podcast I listen to. I want to give them credit here. They're, they're called the Halloweenies, and they, they uh, you know, they, they kind of share a lot of the... I agree with what a lot of what they say about this movie. But one scene they talked about in particular that kind of embodies a problem with this movie, and I think it's this scene right here, is that we do build up this relationship between Vicky and, and this kid, and we do feel bad when Vicky is being attacked. And, like, that scene with him in the closet is actually pretty tense, I think. You know, I hope they... I wish they didn't spoil that in the trailer, because I think that might have been one of the most effective scares in the movie. And, you know, sometimes you got to take divorce marketing from it when, you know, you're grading a movie. But the fact that we have that where she, he, Michael is killing Vicky, but the kid yells, oh, shit, like, and runs out. It's like, 
why do you have to undercut this tense scene with a laugh? Like, leave it tense, leave it like, oh God, no, not like this Vicky, this character that we like is getting brutally attacked and is going to get murdered. But instead we have to have the kids say something funny and run out to like, just, he it's also like the juggling says, like, tones okay. there. Like when she's like, Oscar run or whatever, or whatever the kid's name is. Julian, I think. I'm not positive. Yeah, Juli- Julian run. He well, goes, yeah, that, okay. that doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me because, yeah, you're a kid and you, I'm going to run away from that. It's not, what do you want? Julian to stand up to Michael Myers here? No, it's like no, no, why I think he, he had to yeah. say anything. Why he had to say anything. He could yeah, just I ran. I agree, Cole, because that, that that was more of like that comedy that you were saying, Zach. And, yeah, um, I, it, does, that, that's, it does work that's why it's frustrating because you have the ingredients here, but it's just you're there's something up with the execution with a lot of these scenes that just stops it from being that effective. You know what I mean? Okay. So the way you describe it as like ingredients and, uh, let's say the comedy is the sugar here and you're baking. Yeah. Let's take out the sugar. No, a cake's not good. If you put too much in, then let's make it a different ingredient. Let's say it's fucking like rock salt. Don't put rock salt in your cake. That's what the comedy is here. Okay. No, I'm saying that it, the comedy is like putting too much sugar in a in a cake. I I don't think you've ever baked before, because you, you know, know I get what you're saying. I'm just saying the the ingredient. I don't think that's one of the good ingredients in my opinion for overall in this movie. I feel like it's just not it's not employed effectively. Um, if if I mean, anything, the, for your example to work, this this cake is way too sugary. They put way yeah, too much sugar I'm in this saying. cake. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You pull it he back. Did say that. Okay, so Oscar, I don't really love the Oscar character, but I don't, I don't hate him. I think this scene where he dies is actually kind of affected with the motion detector. That part's pretty creepy. I think that part's effective. His lines to, as Allison, she's walking away trying to be funny. I, I just don't know. Like, oh, they're, they were feeding me guacamole in all these sexy ways, and they got me all ch- their, <laughs> their bodies got me all chubbed out, Allison. You know, as he's trying to justify making a pass at her. I mean, it's kind of funny. That part worked better than a couple other comedy points, but his death, his death scene's probably his best scene in the movie, but I think he's annoying as hell. Like when he interrupts them at the beginning and at the party and, you know, like the way he's introduced is just, well, the way he's introduced is to make him unlikable. He's this guy who's just like weird and like cuts into people's relationships you know it's i never got that he was trying to be unlikable or obnoxious i got that he was trying to be that quirky friend that you keep around it almost reminded me of they were trying to do like a Stu mocker type Mm. character good and they just they did they did not execute very well good cop but i but i got that's what that's when i after especially when they were in the hallway and he like joined um Allison and Cam. Is that his name? Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's um, his dog. <laughs> uh, when he joined that, I was like, oh, I'm getting Stu Mocker vibes, vibes right away. So, uh, but that's, I, I never got that he was like, they were trying to make him unlikable. Maybe a bit obnoxious. I that way. Like he just, the, everything they did made me not like him. He's, I think they wanted us to like him. I just think I just yes, I agree with what you're saying, Cole. I just don't believe that was their intention while writing him. I believe they thought he was a funny side character, and I just oh. didn't like him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. What do you? I, I do not love the podcasters either. Uh, I do think the opening sequence 
I want to say the one part where they're like holding it out the mask and like screaming at Michael to say something as the original theme comes in that works for me. Uh, it does and it doesn't for me. I think the the other mental patients out here in this courtyard, which the courtyard looks cool, like cool aesthetic. That, that's a that's a positive. Them all flipping out with this guy holding the mask. That was too much for me. That was like the howling was and the he's yeah. supernatural though. The guy who's like <sighs> scratching behind his ear. Maybe like, one guy freaking out would have been would have been effective. That would have been unsettling. The fact that everyone is start going batshit crazy. It's like <sighs> that that was too much. And the guy, I, the podcaster guy, screaming, "Say something! Say like, something!" Okay. I get that we don't get that the doc the doctor probably did want to see what would happen later as we learn with his character, which again, awful. Uh, so that I buy the doctor letting him do that, but at the time when you're playing that that moment is ridiculous when you don't know that the doctor is like that's like no fucking way you're letting this guy do this. You know, like I mean, maybe you can you walk here talk to him, maybe, but like uh, screaming at him to say something while holding the mask out is just the, and the, around all these did, other patients. That, seems, guys- that seems too silly. But Cole, to agree with you to an extent, even with like, how silly I think all that is, swells when, it, it's, when it's a hard cut, when it's a hard cut to the main theme, I, you know, that that's effective because that's I think that's yeah. I could be wrong. That's the only one in the franchise that's uh, and I don't remember how it goes. And well, actually, ends does it pretty well too, and we'll get to that. But that is a like only hard cut to this point in the franchise, like hard cut to the main theme. Instead of a gradual, like, okay, we're fading out and here comes the theme or whatever. Like that. Uh, actually, no, there's a really good one on Halloween 4, too. But uh, we'll, uh, well, I don't know if we'll ever talk about that. But so anyway, I that do, part works. The doctor, just in general, I mean, you brought him up here. Um, Awful. Bad. Least stupid. favorite character. But there's one line that I was just like, this is so egregious. Like, this, the way this guy views himself. And it's the police. Hawkins is telling everyone to get inside, and the guy goes, "It's okay. I'm a doctor. Get inside." I wrote that down. I wrote that down. What the fuck was that? It's such a stupid thing. He's not not a fucking. I'm a doctor. Get inside. I'm a doctor. Get inside. (laughs) Like it's fucking bullshit. I'm not gonna listen to a doctor. I'm gonna listen to a fucking cop. It's not even that. It's just like you don't. In this context. You don't need to clarify before, oh, I'm a doctor, go inside. Just go, like, get inside. There's someone dangerous out here. It's just, at that. yeah, that's silly. Silly writing for him. And I'm a, do- I'm a doctor. The, I don't think the performance is that great either. Uh, oh, you're the new Loomis, really putting up. I, I think that they when wanted to make that, him this, like, over-the-top character, like, you know, I've talked well, about that just Donald Pleasant's fit for me though. Donald Pleasant's was over the top, but he was over the top in a way that he's delivering worked. it a lot better. Donald yeah, Pleasant's a way worked. better actor than so, this guy. So what I would like to say is there's like there's rules to how like like weird these characters can be. He goes beyond how weird he could be. You know? Yeah. If that if that makes sense, there's kind of this like level and he mm. just like pushed it all the way up i yeah he's he's lame to me like uh is there's anything else in this movie i'm trying to think of uh well i do like uh, okay under underwhelming ending like i said earlier the shape burns is like the name of like one of the last tracks of the movie uh 
my ass he does. We don't see him burn in this movie. No, if not for one moment that I think he was dead at the end of this movie. So again, just not a not a very um, so, pleasing so ending as, to me. When we've had I'm, other endings that feel more definitive than this before, that are just much more effective in this series. Uh, though the music is a, a positive do- during the ending, and I think the music all overall in this movie with John Carpenter and. I his loved son uh, and his godson doing the score. Like that's that's actually pretty cool. That the score I is loved pretty good. Allison running up to the car and just going, "Help us!" Yeah, that part's fine. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I mean, like literally, trying to think. I'm, I'm just. I've been very negative. I'm trying to find some positives. Score is a positive. I do believe I, a lot of the acting is. There are some scenes that are pretty effective. When, like uh, I talked about. When, I think uh, the podcasters' when, death scenes are actually pretty. Yeah, when the podcasters great. get killed. Up until the slow motion putting on of the mask, which I think, again, it's just not, I don't think that, that, that moment did not work for me. Just for slow motion, him putting on the mask, it was kind of stupid. But their, their death scenes in particular were, I thought, were pretty good. So there is one thing I wanted to bring up, and that's the way they tried to bring comic relief in with, uh, what is it, Karen? That's the daughter, Lori's daughter. Karen, right? yeah. Her husband... Oh, I got like, peanut butter on my penis. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I as soon as me. he said that line, like given a rewatch, I was like, I want this guy to die. I don't. Yeah, I don't really love him. Also, why are all these old ass people having kids in Hattonfield? <laughs> like everybody looks like they're sixty with kids. Sixty is the new forty, Cole. Um, oh, that's yeah, I can't what wait it for wasn't. Halloween. Halloween, sixty years later, when we Jamie Lee Curtis comes back again, and we retcon these ones. That'll be nice. Oh God! Is that <laughs> <laughs> um, character stands standouts? Uh, I'm gonna pick. I, I I wanted to say this, and this is not. I it's not the MVP. This is my LVP, and it's Ooh. Cam, the boyfriend. He stood out to me because he was so. His character just flipped out of nowhere. And so I guess this isn't a positive. This is a negative because it feels like while he's at dinner with the family, and I know we didn't really like that scene too much, but like I, I, I feel though. like when he's, but yeah, he's very like as he would be as a like a new boyfriend would be meeting a family. He's like nervous, but trying to be out of his, like trying to be outgoing, and he's like talking, but he's like not talking to. I I don't know. I bought his character up until he was at the dance, and then out of nowhere, like we didn't even see hints of like his phone vibrating when he was with uh Allison, and he'd be like, "Oh, don't worry about it. That's nothing," or something like that. Like just throwaway lines like that. What did you see? How hot the cheetah girl though was? Did you see how hot she was though, Corey? <laughs> yeah, but dude, it was just like out of nowhere. He was- the victim hey man but then, if, you, if you have a girl who looks like that dressed like that dancing at you and, you, and then your your actual girlfriend had to go take a phone call you telling me you wouldn't from her <laughs> from her crazy ass grandma who here's the thing if he was drinking and i buy that he was drinking he was, because it's yeah. a high it's a high school dance and everything and it's not like it's whatever and i get that if he was drinking and he it, like he just was a little too drunk and then she kissed him and then he was just like, whoa, 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 or something like that. And he like it was obvious that he wasn't too sure about it, but didn't pull away as much as he could have. And then he got but he didn't do that. It looked like he wanted to. And then he gets mad at Allison. It's like, what are you going to do? You're going to take another phone call? You're going to take another phone call? And then he picks up her phone, throws it in. He's like, you better get that. It's like, 
that is the first phone call she's taken the entire movie. What are we so upset about? I, it, that, I, it, the character made no sense. It felt like they had an agenda and they were shoving it down my throat. Corey, while I agree with Zach, can I say, while I agree with Corey, I know he's just still really upset about you season three. This is like the boy next door who got to have the thing with uh, Victoria Perditi's character. So oh, I that know was great. Corey's been very upset about that since he was season three. And he I'm, he hates this guy. So I'm pretty yeah. sure this guy uh, didn't. This this guy was one of two because uh, I don't. I feel like I feel I forget, we had so much to talk about in that episode that I, don't, I forgot to bring it up. But I remember two. I was like, oh, two, two Halloween 2018 actors in Oppenheimer. Uh, this guy was in it, and uh, also the podcaster, Wait, the he? male podcaster, was also in. He Toby had a, Huss? the male podcaster had a had a better had a neat, no Toby Huss is the dad. Uh, the male podcaster actually had a bigger a, a pretty. Decent role in Oppenheimer, I think. Wasn't he the the guy that Oppen Oppy uh, reports like, oh, this guy might have tried to approach me about selling some secrets, and I should have told you guys earlier. Wasn't that yes, the friend? Yes, he like, was. He was that guy. Yeah. No idea. Uh, yeah, don't love the male podcaster though. Like I already said. Um. Yeah, Cam- Corey. Do you know that this this boyfriend Cam is? Uh, I believe he's supposed to be the son of the bully kid to Tommy in the original Halloween, Lonnie Elam. And then, you know, Lonnie goes up to the house on a dare and Donald Pleasance is like, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. You know, like, I think that's it. That's because he goes, oh, my dad or this guy's kid, dad, Lonnie Elam, blah, blah, blah. Like, so that's that's that connection to the original with his character. Oh, I know. Little, little deep cut. Yeah, I actually kind of appreciated that. But they shoved their agenda down Corey's throat. And we don't like that. They definitely did. Shame Mm. on them. They said, we know we've made this character like not like hateable, but definitely not or not likable, but definitely not hateable. But now in the span of two minutes, maybe less, he's going to be the worst character in this movie that features someone that murders over 20 people. Yeah. Well, don't Um, drink, you know, that's that's what (laughs) alcohol will do that that to you. That is one of the rules. Don't drink and don't have a girlfriend that has a phone. Yep. Yeah, you definitely do not want to let your girlfriend have a phone. I Guys, I think I might have to end this early because I have to go have a talk with my girlfriend really quick. Um, About having change. a phone? Her phone yeah, privileges. Gonna You're going to have to take yeah, back her phone privileges. They're, they're getting, getting revoked. <laughs> All righty. Uh, moving on to awards season. <laughs> Apparently they strayed off course, and we're fairly certain they're in guerrilla hands. So why don't you use the regular army? What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. You know, Zach, you had so many nice things to say about this movie. I want you to go first. Me too. Uh, I always come up with this kind of on the spot, so that's why I always like going last. Okay, well, you know what? I will go John Carpenter for this one because I think the John Carpenter, Cody Carpenter, and uh, something Davies, whoever his godson is, who is actually the son of someone from the Monkees, I believe. Is that right, Doug? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, either way, the, I think the score in this movie is pretty cool. If you, it's honestly one of those scores that I have on in the background. I let it play in full, like if I'm writing or doing homework or cleaning or something. Like it's it's a it's a good good score. But the some, my, my favorite one is Shape Hunts Allison. 
that one that one's pretty fucking sick and it's like a new theme it's not just like reprising you know the halloween theme but the main halloween theme gets punched up pretty good in the opening credits of this too so yeah that's those are my mvps the the composers including the great john carpenter if you don't mind Corey, i'll go next fine oh look i'm sorry i have my phone okay um i'm gonna go the cinematographer michael simmons just because there are some really cool shots in this movie it does look good it looks very good very crisp i think is the best way of putting it like he did his job very fucking well and i think that's something that you you can't understate enough because even in a film like this a cinematographer can really help stylize what's going on and he does that in spades so i think the scene that looks best is the bus crash aftermath i think that scene looks really good with the the, the father and the the smoke and the people walking around and uh well mine's a bit of an obscure mvp but this is my this was my favorite part of the movie and this made the movie what i liked about it the most um i don't know if you guys can hear me but i'm going to pick the first half of the movie michael myers because that was the scariest part of the movie and i i think that really showed who michael's michael myers is and i i appreciated how they adjusted it for newer audience with keep like as i said kind of keeping with the spirit of who michael myers is so first half of the movie michael myers is my mvp i know it's a bit obscure and i know you guys didn't really hear most of it but i was recording the entire time so the audience heard and that's what is important yes it is important Corey, and i, I, I liked that's all everything I got was, you it is said. that's all i heard <laughs> it's quite literally the only thing i heard was it is important was the last thing you said Leave the call and come uh, back. Leave the call and come back, you bastard. Leave! Can you hear Get me now? Get out and come back in. Can you hear me now? I don't even know what you're laughing. I hear you're laughing, but I don't know what you're saying. Get out and come back in. Can you hear me? Corey, I'm not going to make you re-say everything you said. Just tell us who your MVP was. We quite literally did not even get who you picked. <laughs> <laughs> I the the part that I was like this is important this is the important part <laughs> I was like but I was recording <laughs> I said I was recording the entire time so the audience heard me which is the most important part so that's good um I picked first half of the movie Michael Myers first half oh. of the movie Michael Myers okay <laughs> James Jude Courtney James Jude Courtney good pick Corey. but only for the first half only for the you know, first Corey Not I agree second. with you I you know and I'm gonna use that as a transition says that they insist on outside opinions what kind of opinions well your kind not to put too fine a point on it I mean let's face it in your particular field you're the top minds but I am gonna go two and a half out of five Wow uh, while there, hard on it. while there are some new characters that I like, you know, you got Allison, you're bringing back Lori. Um, I I even like Will Patton as Hawkins, but, you know, there I were like a lot of... I like he's playing pinball when we meet him. That's actually kind of a nice little touch. Yeah. Uh, but overall, you know, didn't really like a lot of the characters. The dialogue was not there for me uh i don't need to hear about these guys talking about like 
fucking peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and like the lunches you're hearing about guys talking about just the dumbest shit and all these characters it doesn't feel like a lived-in natural world like the 1978 film and that just doesn't work for me but that being said there were things i did like like i said the cinematography i did think the score was great and I'm pushing it. Turn it off. Pushed it last week too. Corey. Uh 3.2. I really like the first half of this movie. It does kind of fall apart in the second. Uh, but overall I'm still a fan. I would still enjoy a second or uh, one after this, so I'm not gonna push my button. Zach, go. I'm gonna go three out of five so yes like i've been saying it was a disappointment to me it doesn't mean that i didn't think it was overall a quality movie it is it's just got a lot of problems got a lot of things holding it back and it's all self-inflicted i do believe the first half is better like i was saying and then things just kind of slowly start to unravel and all the good ideas i feel like are kind of gone at that point and you're paying the price for having too much going on and not spending enough time with Lori and Karen. So some of those beats at the end don't work. But having said that, great score. Michael overall is solid. Overall, some good new characters that I enjoy. So it is a quality slasher, modern slasher movie. But that'll, uh, that'll just about do it for the review section, three out of five. So moving on to the post credit scene. You're still here. It's over. Go home. So in the post credit scene, we just talk about what we have coming next. And it's Halloween Kills. So yeah, well, not much to say about it now. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, FYI, Corey has left the podcast episode. His internet was just absolutely sabotaged uh, this, this week. So it, it, it's been a struggle for him, unfortunately. So it's just Cole and I doing this post-credit scene. So, Cole, you watch anything since we last talked that you want to talk about? Uh, Tropic Thunder. Gave Tropic Thunder a rewatch for the first time in a while. And I'm realizing that movie is uh, memorable and quotable for all the wrong reasons. Um, all the lines are uh, pretty rough. <laughs> I don't care. I think it's hilarious. I, I I'll just I'll be I'll, I'll be upfront about it. I think I think you know that movie is comedic gold. No, it's about like making a movie where you have an actor who does wear blackface and who does try and play a black man, and that works. And it's really funny in the way that you know it's wrong. The way I, yeah, either way, the joke is that this character is an idiot. That's that's he's how I supposed to it. be. And Robert like Downey Jr. Daniel- is very funny. Yeah, he's supposed to be Daniel Day-Lewis in that film he did called My Left Foot, where he was a guy who couldn't move anything but his feet and stayed in character the entire time and made it hell for his co-stars. I mean... Right, right, of course. Yeah, that's just all the satire. I I think that movie is a star-studded, you know, time capsule of 2008, maybe, but it is very funny. I think it's a very, very funny satire. Starring uh, MTV... Best Kiss Award winner, Tobey Maguire. What about you? What you watch? Um, yeah, I've been kind of rewatching some Halloween movies. Uh, you know, rewatch H2O and stuff, which I've talked enough about. Uh, you know, 
Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers, the Rob Zombie remake, which actually kind of sat better with me this time for whatever reason. So yeah, just doing a lot of Halloween rewatching. Uh, for class, I had to watch The Conversation with Gene Hackman and uh, rewatched Carrie for that class as well. Both both good, good 70s movies, especially Carrie. I think Carrie's honestly really one of the best looking horror films ever made. I think the movie's absolutely gorgeous. Um, really dreamlike. So highly recommend watching Carrie if you've never seen that. But uh, that's about all I've got. So I guess if we're uh, we're all all finished here, uh, we can just about call it for Halloween 2018 and uh, look forward to Halloween Kills next week. And uh, we're recording this on a Thursday, and that's when Amazon drops all their originals. So I don't want to speak for Corey, but I kind of know he'd say watch Gen V. So. Yeah, I have to catch up on that. Also, Go Blues. Their first game is quite, quite literally probably starting right now on the minute. Uh, all right. See you next week. Bye.